All right, all right. We are in week number three of our Christmas series, God With Us, where we are taking a look at how God is with us through different seasons in our lives that we find ourselves in. And the scripture that we've been using as kind of the main scripture through this entire series is found in Matthew chapter 1, uh, verse 23, where it says, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Somebody say, God is with us. Man, y'all sound good this morning. But uh, just to give you kind of a little bit of a recap of where we've been through this series, in week number one, we talked about how God is with us in the valleys of our lives. There are times where we find ourselves in valley seasons, and the main point that we took away from that week number one was is that we enjoy God on the mountaintops, but it's in the valleys that we get to know Him intimately. We enjoy Him on the mountaintop, but we get to know Him in the valley. And then last week, we talked about how God is with us in the wilderness. You know, there, there's, there's a difference between a valley and a wilderness. The valley is not typically as long as a wilderness. And a wilderness uh, uh, season in our life is one where we wander, one where we begin to question some things. And so we, we realized that the main point for week number two was is that our deepest need becomes a gift. Our deepest need becomes a gift when it drives us to depend on God. Our deepest need becomes a gift when it drives us to depend on God. Well, this week we're looking at how God is with us in the storms of life. In the storms of life. You see, storms, what that equals is this, is that they're, they're, they're difficult times that blow up out of nowhere. And we should know this better than anybody considering the place that we live. We deal with hurricanes year in and year out. You know, thank God we haven't dealt with one major in our area in quite some time. But the fact of the matter is, is that we understand that there could be a small group of storms somewhere out in the Gulf and within a matter of a day, it turns into a category one storm and then we begin to watch and we begin to pray that the thing will not make its way towards us or that it would dissipate again. But we have an understanding that storms, big storms, major storms can just come out of nowhere, right? No? Okay. Good night. I was just making sure that you were still alive. Awesome. But uh, there comes a point when we see a storm out in the Gulf where it doesn't become just a group of storms, but then we become, uh, we start to name them. We start to name storms. And so, uh, you know, naming storms began, I believe, in the 1950s, all right? And in the 1950s, they were only named after women. And then for 25 years, storms only had women uh, uh, names, and then in like 1975, I guess we needed some equal rights. And so then that's when we started putting forth men's names in there. Uh, but there are certain names that get retired, okay, because they are so catastrophic. They are so major that they become retired. Hurricane Katrina, there will never be another Hurricane Katrina because Katrina was retired. It, it's a way of, uh, of almost um, kind of um, 
I, I don't mean this to come out the wrong way, but it's almost like we, we put these names in, in like a hall of fame of storms, if you will, because it's, a, it, it's something that we will always remember. And, and so we do this in our own lives as well, where we name storms in our lives, where we begin to name maybe that storm of divorce. Maybe it's a storm of depression, addiction. Maybe it's the storm of sickness, cancer. We name these storms because a lot of times what we do to, is these, these things, they'll, they'll come out of nowhere. Or we suppress them, thinking that they're not really as big as they are. And then one day, it seems like overnight, it just becomes a big deal. We name the storms in our lives. You know, when it comes to storms, we're, we're, we're in one of three places. We're either uh, about to go into a storm, we're in a storm, or we're coming out of a storm. So all of us can find ourselves in one of those three places this morning. For some, you're in the middle of a storm right now, and this storm came out of nowhere. It just blew up, and now you're asking yourself, what do I need to do? For some, you're coming out of a storm, and you're just praising God right now because you're like, thank God I am out of that storm. And then for others of you, let me just go ahead and forewarn you, there's a storm on the way. There is a storm on the way. I don't mean to like cause you to be like gloom this morning because there's a storm coming, but just understand that there's always one of those three spots that we will find ourselves in. And a lot of times we find ourselves asking questions like these when we're in the storm. When we're in the middle of the storm, we begin to ask questions such as, where is God? Like, where is God in my storm? Or, why is God allowing this to happen to me? I mean, isn't he a good God? Where is he? And why is he allowing this to happen to me? Or we begin to ask a question, why doesn't God just do something right now? Here's the main point for today. It's this. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Just because you find yourself in the presence of a storm doesn't mean that just God just up and vanished and that he's no longer around and that he no longer cares. No, it's quite the opposite. There's a passage in Acts chapter 27 where Paul finds himself on a ship that encounters a massive storm. And this is a passage that we're going to look at today. Now, when I'm talking about a massive storm, they're on a ship. They're sailing and they get caught up in a storm, and this storm is going on for days, days. And they begin to panic because the storm just won't stop. There's no slowing it down. There's no uh, weakness happening in this storm. And so they begin to panic, and they're throwing stuff overboard. You can go read it for your own time. In Acts chapter 27, but they throw stuff overboard. They're absolutely terrified. Terrified. And then we pick it up in verse 20 of chapter 27. Now, it says this, When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, 
we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Now, one thing we have to realize is, is that that's not Paul writing that. Okay, this is the book of Acts. And if you were here for our Acts series, you already know this, that the book of Acts was written by Luke. It was written by Luke. And so Luke is the one that's pinning these words, and it's, it's, it's kind of interesting to me because it says, we finally gave up hope. Now Luke, the guy who wrote the gospel of Luke, the one who wrote the book of Acts, you would think this guy's got a lot of faith. You would think this guy's got a lot of uh, confidence in who God is, but he's writing here and including himself in, in saying we finally gave up hope. So let me just encourage you this morning that if you're sitting in the middle of your storm and you're saying, I'm giving up all hope, you're not alone in feeling that way. Because even the great writer and person of Luke gave up hope in the middle of this storm. Have you ever been in a storm where it just continues to rage? It said the storm continued raging. Have you ever found yourself in a storm like that in your life? Where it continues to rage to the point that you find yourself saying the very same thing that Paul, I mean that, that Luke wrote right here. We finally gave up all hope. The, the, the marriage isn't going to make it. I'm just going to walk away. It's just easier that way. It's going to be better that way is what we tell ourselves. I'm just going to give up hope because the storm that's in the middle of my marriage is just not going away. It is raging and raging and raging. Maybe it's, it's you find yourself in a massive amount of debt and you say, I'm never going to get out of debt. I'm just going to give up hope. It's not even worth coming up with a plan anymore because I'm in this storm of debt. And you just, you begin to get to a point where you want to give up. Maybe you just find yourself, I'm always going to be addicted to this. Whatever this might be, I'm always going to be addicted to it. There's never going to be an opportunity for me to get set free. This storm of addiction that I find myself in, this storm of depression that I find myself in, it's just continuing to rage and rage and rage, and I'm just going to give up. I'm just going to just go ahead and say, this is how it's going to be. That's what they did in Acts chapter 27. And that's what a lot of us tend to do when we find ourselves in a storm that continues to rage. Then it continues in verse 21. After they had gone a long time without food, I, I might not have been able to make it. I'll just go ahead and say that right now. If I, like, you know, it's been a long time without food. Paul stood up before them and he said, men... You should have taken my advice not to sell from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. Now, Paul could have responded a number of ways. But you know how he chose to respond? That's exactly right. I told you so. Now, how many of you have had a Paul in your life a time or two? Some of y'all are uh, exchanging some elbows right now. He said, I told you so. If you would have just listened to me. But I think he was kind of telling the truth in love. Now, now just go with me here because you're probably thinking that guy's a jerk. Because none of us like to hear the words I told you so, especially when they're right and you're wrong. 
But see, here's what happens. A lot of times we choose to blame the wrong thing for the storm. Here's who we go for first if we're uh, um, spiritual, is we'll blame the devil. That devil got me in this storm, dadgummit. This devil, devil this, devil that. And, and it's like, whoa, wait a minute. We're giving this guy way too much credit. Him, he's getting way too much credit right here. We blame the wrong thing. Can, can, I, can I just tell you the reason that Paul said, I told you so? It's the same reason that I'm going to tell some of you I told you so right now this morning. And it's because the devil did not cause your storm. You just made a stupid decision, and you caused your own storm. Think about it. If you find yourself in debt, you spend too much money. It just is what it is. You spent too much money. Maybe, maybe you mouthed off to somebody, and now that relationship is strained. You find yourself in a storm with somebody. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your friend. Maybe it's a family member. Whatever the case is, you mouthed off. You said something you shouldn't have had. You stuck your foot in your mouth one way or the other, and you find yourself in this storm. Maybe you procrastinated. Got any procrastinators in the house? Don't raise your hand. There you go, two of you. Gotcha, gotcha. We'll be praying for you. Some of y'all, some of, let, let, me, let, me just, let, let me just let you in on a little secret here. Some of y'all excuse your procrastination saying, I work better under pressure. <laughs> when the heat's turned up, I just do my best work right then. Yeah, right. But you procrastinate so you find yourself in a storm. There are a lot of storms that we create because of stupid decisions that we make. And maybe this is the reason that the crew got to the point that they did where they said, we've just given up hope. Because they were in a storm because of the decisions that they made. If you read the story, Paul earlier in 27, he's talking to the captain of the ship and he's saying, look, I'm just going to tell you, we don't need to move from here. It's going to be a bad deal. And the captain's like, who's the captain of this ship? You're a prisoner right now. So, I mean, you got to think about this. This was a prisoner talking to a person of authority, telling him what they should do. And he was like, no, we're going to do what the captain says. And what the captain says is what we're going to do. And so the captain made a stupid decision, and he got the whole boat into the storm. He got the whole crew. And I'm going to tell you, the crew was probably looking at the captain saying, aye, aye, captain, march on. Let's do this. Sell on. We're doing it. We're behind you. So they're all corporately making a stupid decision. Now, you want to know why you give up hope when you've caused your own storm? It's because it's easy to believe God will get you out of a storm if God puts you in the storm. But it's a lot harder and more difficult to believe that God's going to get you out when you got yourself in. Glad I'm talking to one of you. Now, for some people on the ship, Paul being at least one of them, maybe there was a crew member or two, 
They may have disagreed with the captain on selling ahead, and therefore they find themselves in the storm because of someone else's stupid decision. Anybody else relate to that one, where you find yourself in a storm because of somebody else's stupid decision? Elbows are flying again. I mean, think about it. A company makes a bad decision, and then because of their bad decision, they've got to lay you off. Well, that's not a storm you created. That's a storm somebody else created. But you find yourself in the middle of that storm. Say you trust in somebody, and then they let you down. That's a storm they create because they're not being truthful and trustworthy, but yet you're the one that put your trust and hope into them, and therefore they let you down, and now because of that, you find yourself into a storm. But regardless of how you get into the storm, whether it's your stupid decision or somebody else's stupid decision, listen to what Paul says in verses 22 through 23. He says, but now. you got to love it when you hear but now in Scripture, especially when you're hearing what we just heard. He says, but now. It's like almost there's hope in the butt right there. Hope in the butt. You can hashtag that all day long right there. But now I urge you to keep up your courage. Because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. Paul was now encouraging the crew to keep up their courage. Why? Because Paul had an understanding that God was with him in the middle of his storm. And we have to have this same understanding as well. That God is with you in the storm more ways than you can imagine. As a believer, His Spirit is with you. As a believer, He goes before you. He's behind you. He's on either side of you. He's above you. He's below you. It doesn't matter what the storm does. He is there. Scripture tells us that the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave lives inside of us as believers. So if he, if the Spirit that raised Jesus out of the grave now lives in you and I, there's no storm that's going to be able to take you out. Doesn't mean that it's not going to beat you up. It's just not going to take you out. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. You see, when you're facing a storm, it's all about who's in the boat with you. When you're facing a storm, it's all about who's in the boat with you. You know, for the crew that looked at Paul and thought that, man, this guy's just a prisoner that's whacked out, that told us not to sail because we would find ourselves in the very situation that we find ourselves in, is now the very person that they're looking at for hope. If Paul wasn't on the boat with them, they all die. Do you realize that? They all die. Because look at what he says here in verses 23 and 24. Last night, the angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul, because you must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously, listen to me, graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So if Paul's not on the boat, they all going down.
And honestly, God didn't have to allow any of the crew to survive. He could have just allowed Paul to survive. But it says that he graciously gave Paul the lives of every person that was with him. You know, I don't think Paul was freaking out during the storm. I don't think he was uh, sitting there going, oh, man, I don't know if we're going to make it. He knew he was making it. And because of that, we know that Paul had what no other person on that boat had. And that's peace. That's peace. You, you, you know what the, the, the angel told the shepherds? He said, peace be with you. Peace be with you. You see, listen to this. Peace is not the absence of the storm. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. You could be in the middle of the most raging storm you've ever faced in your life and still stand calm in the middle of the storm with a peace that surpasses all understanding. Because you choose to find peace, not in what's around you, but but what's in you. Jesus. Jesus in John 14, 27 said, my peace I have given to you. As a believer in Christ, we have access to one of the greatest gifts that we could ever have access to, and that's peace. You see, really, it wasn't Paul in the boat that made the difference. It was the Jesus inside of Paul that made the difference in the boat. And so the question that I have for you right now is, is is Jesus in your boat? Is Jesus in your boat? And if he's not, guess what? You need to get him in your boat. There's a story in John chapter 6, verses 16 through 21. It's not going to be on the screen, but just listen to me. It said, or maybe it is, that evening Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. Now, this was after the feeding of the 5,000. So they go to the shore to wait for him, but darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back. So they got into the boat and they headed across the lake towards Capernaum. Notice something. They waited on Jesus He never came, and they said, well, we got to sell anyway. Let's get in the boat, and let's go. So Jesus is not in their boat. And then it says, soon a gale swept down upon them. A storm in the sea grew very rough. They had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water towards the boat, and they were terrified. Don't you think you'd be a little terrified as well? Because it's like three in the morning right now. And you got a ghost-like figure that's on the water, is what we're told in other Gospels. But it's Jesus. Isn't it amazing that even when we don't put Jesus in the boat, he still finds a way to be around us? Because we always have access to cry out to him. We always have access to cry out to him. And that's what they did. They called out to him. Or he called out to them. Jesus called out to them. And he said, don't be afraid. I am here. And then look at verse 21. This is what I love right here. It says, then they were eager to let him in the boat. Some of you need to get eager to get Jesus into your boat. You see, you think 
that you can just come on a Sunday and Jesus is going to show up in your boat. You think that you can come to another service and think Jesus is going to show up in your boat. You think that you can just, you know, just kind of, you know, cautiously walk through this thing called Christianity, called believing in Jesus, and you think that if I'm going to find myself in a storm, he's just going to automatically be in my boat. No, 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 no. We got to get eager for him to be in our boat. We need to desire for him to be in our boat. We need to have an understanding that he wants a commitment from you and I. He's not just going to be a token that's always going to be there. Even though he is, he wants you to cry out to him. He's saying, hey, I'm here. I'm over here. And I'm saying, don't be afraid. And you got a choice to make. You can either say, I'm, not, I'm too uh, 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 afraid right now to let this guy into my boat because I don't even know if that's real. I don't even know if that's really him. Or we can be just like the disciples in this situation and we're eager to let him in the boat. And I love what it says here. And immediately, come on, somebody say immediately. immediately. They arrived at their destination. They were in the middle of the water, in the middle of their storm. They were eager to get Jesus into the boat. And just like that, they're at their destination. You know what that tells me? If you read some commentaries, it said that they had already rowed three or four miles. Okay, rowed. Three or four miles. Rowed. Not like I rowed in a car. Row. Anybody ever been on the rowing machine? Let me tell you, you're burning at less than a mile. Okay, I'm just saying. Your hammies are on fire. Your biceps are on fire. Everything about your body is on fire. And they, but, but see, here's what they don't tell us. Is that if, if, in commentaries, they say this would have taken them hours. Hours to row three or four miles. So three or four miles got them to the, the, the middle. Okay, so let's think about this. Hours to just get halfway there. But then in a moment, they complete the other half of the trip. They're immediately at their destination. Here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that this is how it always happens. But this is the opportunity that Jesus gives you when you get him into your boat. Is that he's willing and able to do in a moment what we can't accomplish in hours, weeks, months, years, decades. Even if they wouldn't have made it to the other side immediately, you know what he immediately did for them is he brought peace into the boat because he is peace. So whether or not you get immediately to your destination or you just get peace, I don't know about you. I don't, I, 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 yeah, I, the destination is, is, is valuable. The destination is the goal destination is something that I desire but honestly as long as I've got him and I've got the peace that he gives and only that he can give man I'm good to go God told Paul you can't go down you still got to go before Caesar I'm here to tell somebody here this morning listen to me you can't go down in the storm that you're in right now because God's not finished with you I'm not saying necessarily that when I say you're going down that your life in physical sense is over. But sometimes we allow the storms in life to kill our spiritual lives as well. I'm here to tell you that 
you cannot go down in the storm that you're in because God's not finished with you. You have more people to touch. You've got more opportunities to do good. You've got more people who need to hear your story. You want to know why they need to hear your story? Because God will use what you learn in the storm to help someone through their storm. Your storm is not a wasted experience. You've survived cancer? Help somebody else fight. You've gotten out of debt? Help somebody. You've been sober for how many ever days, weeks, months, years? Help other people find freedom in Christ. And this is what Paul continues to say in verse 25. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen. Just as he told me. Paul had faith in God that it would happen just the way that he told him. You know what Paul was saying? Faith is not in what you see. Faith is in what God says. Faith is not in what I see. Faith is in what God says. Faith is not in the boat. Faith is the one who says, peace be still, and the wind and the waves cease. For way too long, you've been putting faith in your boat, in the storm that you find yourself in, instead of Jesus, who can get inside of the boat and sit there and stand before your storm and say, peace, be still. Here's something that we need to understand. There's nothing that you're going to do that will be able to prevent the storm. It's going to happen. I don't, know, I don't care how many hours you spend on your knees praying. Your prayers are not going to just totally allow the storm to never happen in your life. But what we can say is this. You're not going to control the situation that you find yourself in or that comes and finds you. You can't control the storm when it starts its strength or when it will end. But what you can't control what people say. You can't control what people do. You can't control what people think. But the one thing that you can control is who you listen to and what you say. You might not be able to pray that the storm never happens, but what you can do is pray that peace is there with you and that you are going to experience victory in your storm. You see, life is not what happens to you, but it's how you respond to it. Life is not what happens to you, but it's how you respond to it. You see, it's the difference between reacting and responding. If we constantly live our lives just reacting to everything, we, we, we put forth a defensive position. And that's not what God's called you and I to, 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 to be in. We're not called to be defensive. We're called to be on the offensive. We're called to run with the ball. We're called to score with the ball. We're the ones that are supposed to respond, not react. You see, reaction has this kind of idea of, Man, something happened and it's out of nowhere. Oh my God, where are you? That's reacting. But when a storm comes and you respond, you say, storm, 
bring it on because I've got something that's greater on the inside of me than anything that is in this world. And that person is the person of Jesus Christ. And that spirit is the spirit of Jesus Christ. And I have the authority as a son and daughter of the king to stand before you and say, you can come at me with everything you got, but one thing I've got that you don't have is peace be still. We have a choice as to where we will place our faith. We can either put our faith in what we see, or we can put our faith in what he says. You might not be able to prevent a storm, but one thing you can do is determine how you come out on the other side. You're either going to make a decision, it's it's your way or it's his way. I'm going to choose his way. You can choose your way and end up defeated, or you can choose his way and end up victorious. You can choose your way and come out on the other side weaker, or you can choose his way and come out stronger. It's totally up to you. What are you going to have faith in? What you see and who you are, or who he is and what he says? As Christina comes back up, this is what the psalmist says in chapter 46, verses 1 through 3. It says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heat or into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. You know what the psalmist was saying there? He's basically saying, no matter what might happen around us, we have all that we need. We have Jesus. He's what you need. He's your source. He's your healer when you find yourself sick. He's your hope when you find yourself defeated. He's your strength when you're weak. He's your light when you find yourself in a moment of darkness. He's your freedom from your addiction. He's your freedom from your depression. He's your freedom from the bondage. He's your savior when you're in need of saving. Never let the presence of a storm, hear me, never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. I know it's hard when you're in the middle of a storm. I know it's difficult when you find yourself in that situation. And you hear a message like this, and you're like, it sounds good. I know it's the right thing. How many of you have been there? Sounds good. It's the right thing. It's like we get it up here, but it just doesn't translate to here. I've been there. I've been there. 
So I'm not in any way having an expectation that the words that have come out of my mouth are necessarily going to change your situation today. But what I do have faith in is I believe that Jesus is in this place today. And what I do have faith in is what he says. My peace I have given you. We're in this Christmas season where it's all about giving, right? We give gifts. Jesus is there saying, I want to give you one of the greatest gifts that I can give you today. And that's peace. Paul in the book of Philippians, he was telling two ladies that found themselves in a difficult situation. They were in disagreement. They were, they, they were in a storm produced by the strain of their relationship between one another. And Paul comes in and he says, rejoice. I say it again, rejoice in who God is. And he says this, he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, make your request known to God. And then here comes the best part. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So today, the encouragement that I have for you, if you find yourself in the storm, stop being anxious. Stop worrying about how or when the storm is going to stop or when it's going to stop. Just cry out to him. Be eager to let him into your boat. And then his promise will come to be, which is the peace that surpasses all understanding, will guard you. Guard your heart. Guard your mind. At the end of the day, we can make it through any storm if we have his peace. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Let's stand all over.